The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. Hello, and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Mulch. And I'm your host, Ronald Schmelzer, and welcome again to AI Today. The AI Today podcast has been going strong now, five years, 270 plus episodes. It's hard to even count at this point. And one of the things we've heard from all of you is just that you've really enjoyed, uh, been enjoying our education series, especially this latest one that we've been doing here on ethical and responsible AI, which are excerpts from our Cognitive Project Management for AI Methodology Plus E certification on ethical and responsible AI frameworks. And I think part of the reason why it's getting everybody's attention, especially now, is just this week, this past week, Facebook uh, you know, released, Meta released some chatbot, which uh, quite predictably, I have to say, performed very poorly uh, with uh, saying terrible racist things and saying Trump is still president. This is what happens when you train bots on real world data. You think you're being clever. You know, you think you're you know, you're like, oh, we're going to use the real world. It's like, yeah, but the real world is messy and full of bias and full of all these problems, right? And if you don't put any safeguards or checks into place, then the problems of the real world will end up in your AI systems. Because AI systems, as smart as we like to think them are, they are, are really data dependent, highly dependent on what we train it with, I mean, you could think of them as big data parrots, you know, in many ways, especially a lot of these uh, text generators. That's what they're doing. They're predicting and generating text and speech and images and things like that. But they don't really understand what they're doing. I mean, let's let's not get ahead of ourselves here. Like, you know, there's all this talk about AI systems being sentient. No, we are not there. So how do you, if you're trying to build a chatbot, a conversational system of your own, and you look at these organizations and you're thinking to yourself, wow, they're screwing up. Will I screw up too? And the answer is yes, if you don't put these safeguards into place. So what we are sharing with you in these AI Today podcasts are excerpts from the education and training and certification that we provide on building these frameworks. And these frameworks are all about keeping you out of trouble. Basically, as we said before in the previous episode, you don't want to be that accident waiting to happen. And if you just put sawmill blades and you let people walk by them, yeah, you know, maybe the first thousand people are smart enough not to run into them, but someone's going to run into your small saw blade and they can hurt themselves and be like, well, that was an accident waiting to happen. Don't be like that. So how do you prevent that? And that's, that's what these episodes are sharing with you. Exactly. And if you've listened to our podcast before, you know we are advocates for best practices, methodologies, which is that cognitive project management for AI, CPMAI methodology. But adding to that, we've now enhanced it with CPMAI plus E plus ethics. And we've done so because folks that are CPMAI certified individuals have come to us and said, my organization is looking to, uh, you know, build more AI systems. We want to make sure we're doing it ethically, responsibly, trustworthy. And, uh, you know, we need help with that. And also different organizations that we've worked with as well have come to us and said that. So we decided to say, okay, well, we're just going to put out the plus E ethics. So if you're interested in getting CPMAI plus E certified, I will link to it in the show notes. You can sign up directly on our website and I encourage you to do so. It's definitely money and time well invested in both your education, your knowledge, and, you know, your AI project success. So 
definitely make sure to check that out. But we wanted to spend some time in the next uh, series of podcasts. So if you have not already done so, make sure to subscribe to AI Today. This is an ethical and responsible AI series that we will be releasing, and we have a number of additional podcasts on this topic that we will be releasing. So if you're a subscriber, you will get notified when those episodes are published. Uh, But we wanted to spend some time digging into different topics. And again, it's important to understand these are just snippets from the education. So if you would like that comprehensive training and certification, definitely um, sign up for it. But we wanted to just address some of these issues with our audience because it's really important that we understand how to build ethical and responsible AI systems, how to have that mindset. So in this snippet, we're going to talk about AI and data fairness and bias. So one of the things that we really need to be aware of is because AI systems are so dependent on data, and when we use AI systems to, we especially machine learning models that we build on data, we train these machine learning systems on data. If we have this uh, data that is skewed in one direction or another, skewed towards a particular demographic segment or a data segment, it doesn't even necessarily have to be people, skewed towards, say, images of you know one part of the country more than another part, you will have bias in this data set. It's another way of, of another word, use of the word bias. If you're familiar with CPMAI training and certification, you remember that we use bias in a bunch of different contexts, bias, machine learning models, as well as uh, the bias variance trade-off, if you may, may be familiar with that. But in this case, we really do mean this idea of, of informational bias, which is that you know people who uh, have uh, considerations for one group over another. And there's this very well-known book called Weapons of Math Destruction by Kathy O'Neill, who talks about the fact that we're using algorithms to reinforce, if not make worse, some of these societal issues that have been in the past caused by people having bias against one group or another, right? So, so you know, there's many examples of how this bias can result in your AI machine learning models. You know, you can have a loan decision system where you used past data to make a decision about it, you know, loan amounts, whether or not you should give people loans, all that sort of stuff. And you may not realize that those past decisions themselves may have some bias or even explicit discrimination, depending on where you go and how far back you go, right? And so if you're using that past data, you are implicitly adding those decision biases into your own system. You might have, for example, a different kind of bias. Let's say you have a customer assisted call system and you're trying to make a chat bot based on that. You might uh, realize that some call center reps have their own personal biases and, you know, maybe, you know, answering phone calls differently. And you may be embodying that in your conversational system, talking to certain people in certain ways that you probably shouldn't be doing. Uh, as a conversational system. Or you might have image classification sets that classify people or classify images of sort of certain have some sort of bias in it. And the thing about this is that you don't want this bias in your data set because it's not helpful. First of all, it's not helpful to have bias because it's causing your systems to behave not in any sort of rational or helpful way, but also because it makes this these issues of ethical AI worse. So this is something that we need to consider as part of our ethical AI framework. Exactly. And, you know, as Ron mentioned, this can have an overall impact to whatever business key performance indicators you have. 
and it may not have a good impact on that. So you need to be careful. We have this idea of algorithmic discrimination where our AI systems are discriminating against people and you may not even know that. So you really need to be careful. You know, we had talked about examples of where we can see things go wrong with data, but, you know, the so-called weapons of math destruction, where we have uh, opaqueness in the models or you're not, you know, they have unexplainability. So they're not able to tell you how they actually arrived at that decision. Maybe there's issues with scale, um, you know, and how can it, impact humans on a more broad level. Uh, Maybe with certain groups, it's okay. But once you actually start using your AI system for a larger population, you're starting to see some of these issues. And also there can be damage as well. And this can have far reaching impacts. So it can be damage in a variety of different ways to people's livelihoods, their lives, uh, decisions that it's making based, I mean, we had talked about loan decisions or issues around uh, misidentifying people. So it can have real impacts and you need to make sure that you're kind of detecting this and understanding, understanding how it can come about, seeing if you have it and then addressing it accordingly. So when we have biased data sets, they obviously result in models that have bias. And there's a, there's a few ways we can actually measure this bias. It's not just a, an objective idea where someone just says, well, I think your decisions are unfair. Maybe because they just sense that it feel that it's unfair. There are actually ways of measuring unfairness to see if they truly are unfair, right? So one of those area ideas is this idea of overrepresentation and underrepresentation. Do we have an overrepresentation of some particular community in our data set? It could be a gender, a race, a ethnicity, a geographic region. It could be a wealth factor. It could be any of a number of issues that basically say, okay, well, the whole population looks like like this. This is what the population looks like, but in our data set, we are overrepresenting a part of it or underrepresenting a part in our data set. That means that there is bias. It's actually possible to measure that bias and how, how much your data set differs from your community, right? And the other, other way that we can have bias is that when we say, when we look at decision factors, let's say I'm going to use uh, pre existing decisions to inform and train my model to make machine based decisions. Well, we have to take a look at those pre-existing decisions and say, well, how did those decisions measure up against what we would expect them to be if you know the, everything was equally fair, right? Um, you have issues of selection bias, which is which data, where am I selecting this data from? Am I selecting only from certain sources of data? Those sources of data themselves might be biased. Let's say I'm, use, I'm do, using a system for college admissions, right? Well, where am I getting my uh, information from? Is it from the, uh, you know, the testing systems? Well, is there some sort of bias in the testing systems? You know, you have to sort of figure all that sort of that, that stuff out. Collection bias. Is there a bias in the way that I'm collecting data, how I'm collecting it, who am I collecting it from? Let's say I'm using information from you know, for call center records. Well, maybe I'm only reaching a certain population that calls into those call centers and and that in itself has a particular bias. That doesn't mean these things are, are necessarily bad. You know, there may be reasons why, and you may understand why you have underrepresentation, overrepresentation, a selection bias, a collection bias, but you need to document that to say, okay, our systems are using this data. This data has a certain representation of this community. And then you need to understand how that will impact the decisions. And so 
so therefore you need to make sure that those systems do not result in unfair discrimination, even if the data sets themselves have those sets of uh, bias, right? And we have some, some new, we're going to kind of go back and forth here, myself and Kathleen, talk about some of the news that impacts some of the specific things we said, because each of the things we talk about here have different pieces of news. In the United States, the Federal Trade Commission, FTC, has actually declared that any racially biased algorithm used in AI is considered to be unfair and deceptive and is prohibited by law. They are illegal. They are prohibited by law. You can be sued by someone. So if you have an AI system out there that is making decisions of any type, it doesn't matter what it is. If somebody uh, can basically make a claim that your decision system or facial recognition system, uh, chatbot, autonomous system, you name it, has a racial bias, they will they can sue you. And if they can prove which is actually fairly easy to do algorithmically to, to show how your results have a difference in the real life. If they can show that there's a difference, then your algorithm is illegal and you will be susceptible to any of the legal remedies, lawsuit, whatever. So uh, that, there is some real liability here. And the, the second little bit here in fairness, and we'll get into accessibility next year, is that you, know, you need to basically not favor one group or another. And you might say, well, you're not intentionally trying to favor any one group or another, but there may be something in the decision system that is doing it based on the training data. And here's another real world example. Amazon built an AI tool to facilitate hiring, probably in their warehouses, um, and the delivery systems were literally hiring tens of thousands of people every month. So this it was very difficult to have a human you know, do all that hiring, evaluate all those resumes for all those people who are working in warehouses and delivery jobs. But the problem was, was that something in that system was discriminating against women, which actually wasn't that helpful for them either because it limited the, the people that they could hire. But, the, but they had to shut down that whole tool. So think about how much time and energy and effort they spent on it. They had to shut it down and go back to the human-based approach, which might have answered their you know, solution about being less discriminating against women, but they don't get any of the benefits of automation and, and you know, doing things with a the, with the machine learning model. So you have to think about those impacts and you don't want to be on the wrong side of it. Exactly. And, you know, it is incredibly important that you are understanding and addressing all of this because maybe you don't even realize that your data sets are biased until you, you know, look at data that's been collected. And, you know, for example, you see that you're wrongly discriminating against women, you know, an entire half of the population, and you're not hiring potential people that you would be able to. Another area is accessibility, and we want to make sure that AI systems are accessible to all. You may go, well, duh, yeah, of course you want to, you know, regardless of any disability or anything like that. But again, if we have biased data sets, we're not having inclusive, diverse groups that are coming to the table here, we may be building technology that's accessible for someone like you but not for others. And we want to make sure that it really is favoring all of society and not just, you know, a small subset of society. So regardless of your ability, you're able to use the technology. And over on the right, you'll see, you know, in China, for example, there's issues with the elderly not being able to actually, you know, have get cash from the systems because they're using facial recognition technology that not all of them are able to physically access. Yeah, so we have this really sad example here. Uh, this was this has made the viral, you know, TikToks and whatever of, of a poor elderly lady having to be held up 
to to be accessible to the camera so that she can withdraw cash. And because this particular bank decided that they were only going to use the computer vision system for authentication because they want to get rid of all their bank tellers. They don't have any bank tellers anymore. So you have to use this ATM. And the way that they were going to use authentication instead of using a pin or something like that, they're going to say, oh, we'll just use facial recognition. So you don't even need to have a pin anymore. They probably thought it was very convenient, very smart idea, probably worked for you know most people, you know, a tech savvy crowd. But unfortunately, it cut out a whole segment of the banking community that just couldn't physically be in front of the, of the camera. Very sad. This is a very sad situation because you don't want to be in the situation where people have to have to stoop to this to these undignified things just to access their own money or their own system. And we have seen this before where people just, I guess, make assumptions. You just make assumptions that, oh, everybody's going to be a certain height. Everybody's will be physically able. Everybody will have two arms and an eyeballs and all the things that people have. But actually, those are... That's quite an assumption to make. <laughs> yes, it is. When you're talking about society as a whole, being able to access this, yes, those are quite big assumptions. Right. So when you're building your own ethical and responsible AI framework, you need to answer these questions, again, for all of your projects and for your individual projects. How are you identifying and measuring potential sources of bias? So just, are you measuring it? How are you going to measure it? Okay. How will you mitigate those potential areas of bias? There will be issues of bias. It's impossible to be bias-free, but you could say, okay, we realize we have an over-representation, under-representation. Maybe that means that when you have certain decisions, that loan decision where it goes against a community that you know is underrepresented in the data set, maybe you will have some additional checks. Maybe there will be an additional human in the loop, right? So you don't get yourself into the trouble of the machine did it and I have no control, right? Um, how are you going to measure and manage decision-making systems to ensure fairness? So, you know, will there be a system where someone could say, I think this decision was unfair? Um, will you have ways of, of, of measuring people to say that maybe you will ask them, do you think this was a fair decision? You know, of course, people who are treated properly will always say that it was fair. But like, you know, you, know, they're, they're, you need to have feedback loops to figure that out, right? For accessibility, how are you going to make sure that everybody can actually access your system? You know, think about it. Is it a chatbot, a recognition system, an autonomous vehicle? You know, think even in crazy cases like, well, what are you assuming here? Are you assuming that they will have arms to open up the doors of your autonomous vehicle? Are you assuming that they'll be able to type to access your chatbot? Are you making some assumptions about, you know, anything, you know, the recognition system? This is kind of where you want to avoid those trouble. Now, you might say that you may have restrictions. You might say this banking system can only be used by people of a certain height who we can take a camera uh, image of. That is the assumption you're making. And if you meet those qualifications, then the system will work. But then what are you going to do for those who can't? Are you going to say, tough luck, you need to now pick another bank? Are you going to say, we have an alternate system, we have a backup? Are you going to allow people to access maybe using their PIN? Because that's the way that you would do it you know, if they can't use facial recognition. So you need to think about all of these situations because when you're building a framework, it just helps you think it through. You may not have answers for everything, but at least you'll have thought everything through. Exactly. And that's what the most important thing is here. Make sure that you are thinking this through and coming up with answers to all of these questions. So to have diverse and inclusive systems, it really means having diverse data, right? I mean, which again, seems like, duh, this makes a lot of sense, but it's important to bring this up because this can get overlooked and you can get in trouble. AI, for systems, 
and AI systems to provide benefit to desired audiences, they should reflect those audiences. So if you are having a AI system built for general population so that they can access their money, make sure that that system is built for the general population. Get different heights into account, get different uh, you know, locations that this may be into account, whatever it is. So you'll, you're going to want to make sure that you have diversity in your systems. And this is going to mean that you want to have diverse teams as well. You want to make sure that you're getting diverse data. So pay attention to where this data is coming from. Uh, and if it's not representative, then Figure out what needs to be done to get it more representative. Are there other, uh, you know, data that you can grab internally? Do you need to go to external sources to get this? Make sure that you're having users and testers that are representative as well. You know, make sure that you get a lot of stakeholders involved that are representative of a diverse population and not just a small subset. And you know, this this should really make sure that uh, basically you're just covering all spectrums of diversity. And if you are a large multinational organization, make sure that that also includes different geographic regions as well, and not just, you know, the little population and one location that is building this. Yeah. So, so the flip side of diversity is, of course, inclusion, which is that you want to be as many people as possible to be included and to be used using the system. Uh, especially those who are maybe otherwise easily neglected or underrepresented in the AI apl- applications. One of some of the things we've seen in the news about this, uh, about systems that have issues of diversity and inclusion, you know, obviously facial recognition is where this get, this tends to get into the most trouble. Uh, there was a study from Gender Shades, a project of, out of the MIT Media Lab, where they took some of the off-the-shelf facial recognition uh, solutions uh, from Microsoft, Face++, IBM, Amazon, Kairos, and they basically saw how accurate they were, like how much did they actually represent, you know, match the person. And what they found is like, well, it depended on your skin tone and it depended whether you're male or female. Right. You're thinking well, it shouldn't be like that. But, you know, in some cases, the difference in accuracy uh, between uh, the lighter male, which uh, always showed the most accuracy and the darker female, which almost always showed the worst accuracy, in some cases was a 33 percent difference in accuracy. Can you imagine who would basically buy a facial recognition system that was wrong one third of the time? Here you can see in the case of Face++, it was only accurate on darker females about 60% of the time. So that's not very, you know, you can't use that for any real world system. I mean, you can't really use that for, you know, driver's license checks or anything, anything, you know, access to a, to a system, you know, security access to an account. You can't count on it if it's going to be that, that uh, uh, inaccurate. So, um, these are off-the-shelf models, right? So these are ones that are built by large companies that have been selling them to other people. So you can imagine it's not just, well, this is an IBM or a Microsoft or an Amazon problem. No, these are a problem with all the people that used Microsoft, IBM, and Amazon technology in their own products. And there could be hundreds, if not thousands, maybe even more, tens of thousands of those applications. So just think about how many of them may be inaccurate. So we have those problems. Now, of course, we have this other solution here. We talk about diversity and inclusion. 
even the founder, one of the co-founders of Apple, Apple co-founder Steve Wozniak, they were, he was using Apple Card. And if you remember, Apple Card uh, was this uh, loan, it was this credit card system, or I think it was a credit card offered directly by Apple through Goldman Sachs that um, would give you a loan and some credit. And it would, it would give you a credit limit based on the data that it had about you. What it would find is that for the same households, it would give a, a much higher credit limit to the male than to the female, which makes no sense because it's the same household. So it's basically the same income. They should have the same credit limit. So um, clearly we have an issue here. We have uh, the data that was used for decisions was not uh, inclusive enough because the, the, the old decisions used, obviously, biased data. So we need to make sure we don't have these issues in our system. Again, you don't want the press on the right. Um, you need to, how are you going to make sure the data that's being used to train your AI systems represents the full diversity of the audience in which your models will be used? It doesn't need to re represent diversity of everybody in general for everything. It's just for where you want to use the models. How are you sure that those models will represent that full community? How will you ensure that the communities or data sets aren't skipped, that you aren't you know, skipping a certain community or you're excluding them, you're removing them from your data set, adversely selecting them from your data set when you're preparing from data use. You don't want to only pick the best examples or a small set of examples because they work best for you, right? That doesn't help, right? And then finally, how are you going to monitor your AI systems and the behavior of your models to ensure that the diversity and representation in the model results are there, that you don't have these issues of accuracy. Honestly, Microsoft, IBM, Amazon, Kairos, Face++, and all the other facial recognition systems should have tested this out before they deployed it to see really how accurate it was against <laughs> these different communities. The fact that they didn't showed that either they knew there was a problem and they wanted to reveal it, or they just didn't even know it was a problem and they, and they had to wait for someone else to figure it out. Exactly. And so, again, once somebody does figure it out, you don't want that press. So make sure that you are tackling these questions and really considering and answering these questions when you're building your framework. All right. Well, we hope that you enjoyed that snippet from our CPMAI plus E training and certification. Again, if you're interested in signing up for it, please go to the show notes and you can click on the link and sign up directly on our website. We think it's really important for individuals and organizations to be having conversations around ethical and responsible AI, its use. I mean, you know that, uh, you know, you do not want to be in the news. You do not want to be in the news for something that went wrong. And unfortunately, there's just not a lot of news that gets covered for when organizations do it right. So, you know, really try and stay out of the news. And when you go through this training and certification, it's going to help you understand how to actually put this into practice. So we hope that you've enjoyed this. Definitely subscribe to AI Today so you can get notified of all of the additional episodes that come out in our Ethical and Responsible AI series. We're going to be going into a number of different topics um, and really digging deeper into some of these different areas. So we hope that you will continue to listen to all of them. We also love to hear from our listeners. If you'd like to reach out, you can email us at info at cognolitica.com. That's I-N-F-O at C-O-G-N-I-L yticacom and also rate us on iTunes, Spotify, your favorite podcast platform. We love to hear from our listeners. We love to see your ratings and reviews. So definitely do reach out. And with that, I hope that you've enjoyed listening to this podcast and we'll catch you at the next episode. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter and more, please visit our website at cognolitica.com. 
Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group and make sure to join the Cognolytica Facebook page for updates on this and future podcasts. Also subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Play, and elsewhere to get notified of future episodes. Want to support this podcast and get your message out to our listeners? Then become a sponsor. We offer significant benefits for AI Today sponsors, including promotion in the podcast and landing page, and opportunities to be a guest on the AI Today show. For more information on sponsorship, visit the Cognolytica website and click on the podcast link. This sound recording and its contents is copyrighted by Cognolytica. All rights reserved. Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast.